Hey guys, Ryan DeMint from Chasing Happiness Podcast. This week on the podcast, we have a returning guest from Chasing Financial Freedom, good friend of mine, a great human being with a great heart, and he's trying to impact a billion people. And I'm saying a billion with a B, and we'll get to that. Formerly known or always known as J-Mac, but Jerry McNamara, welcome to the show. Ryan, thanks for having me. This is going to be super fun. I always love chatting with you, and it's been great getting to know you over the last number of months. So. Fun stuff. Let's get into it. Awesome. So before we go anywhere, just a little bit about you and what you're trying to do, and then we'll get down some rabbit holes. Yeah, let's do it. Over the course of my career, I've been super lucky to be in the right place at the right time with the right people. And so I've run five companies in five different industries, B2B, B2C, products and services. And what I've learned is business is all the same because leading people is all the same. So it doesn't matter what industry you're in or what product or service. It's all about loving your people, treating them as whole people, and making sure that you're solving a real and important problem for the marketplace. The rest falls behind. You know, over the course of my career, we've made places like the Franchise 500, the Inc. 500, best places to work. So I think you can create high growth companies that are also really fun and compelling places and can land you on the best places to work list too. That is all inspirational, but before we go anywhere else, Talk about what you did with your family several years back and, yes. and how that formed what you're doing and drives you. Yeah, 100%. My wife, who was always the adventurer, she walked into our house in maybe, maybe June and she said, and we, this was the start of COVID. So it's June 2020. And she said, sweetheart, what do you think about selling our house and traveling the country? And I said, that was not exactly what I thought you were going to say to me in the kitchen today. But <laughs> let me think about that for a minute. And by October 21st, we had sold our house and we were off to go travel the world. So we did that for nearly a year with our two kids who were four and nine at the time. And uh, my wife got a promotion while we were out on the road. I grew my business by 40% while we were out on the road. And it's just really that whole notion of if you want to go do something, you can go do it. And it's your own mindset, your own constraints that stop you from chasing the places that you want to go. And I really look at all of this because Rachel and I are so aligned on this for our kids, for ourselves. We really believe that education and experiences are the two most important things that we can give our kids. And so putting them into unique situations, allowing them to experience different places around the country. Quite honestly, if we could have gone around the world, we would have traveled the world. And I think you can uh, do the integration that everyone talks about. And for me, I always thought it was interesting when people would say, oh, I wish I could do that. And the answer is you can do it. It's your own mental constructs that are keeping you from, from actually chasing what it is that you want to do to make you happy. And I think if you can understand that internal locus of control that I am in control of my decisions, sure, it, that may mean you have to change jobs or do something different or give up a certain opportunity. But if it aligns with your priorities and what you want to go do, because we've talked about this before, Ryan, I believe the highest purpose of your life is to live your life on your terms. That to me is fulfillment. Amen. And what happens is you have to get really clear and really specific about what is it that I want to go do in life? What's the impact that I want to go make? And then you just align your vision, your values, and your actions and you puff your chest out and the world just gets to be a little bit more fun. So it's good. So out of that road trip, and this will be a digress and we'll move down this path. Sure. What do you think are the two biggest wins that you 
that your kids got from that road trip and living on, on, on the road? I can't remember. Were you guys in a camper? No, we, we uh, drove around in a Ford Explorer and went uh, gen- generally Airbnb to Airbnb and okay. a couple of times in, in hotels along the way. But what did my kids get about it? My favorite word in the English language is perspective. And okay. one of the things that I've always tried to give my kids is just because you see the world that way doesn't mean the world is that way. There's a perception, right? That creates your own reality. And the more experiences you give them, the more opportunities it is to see my way isn't the only way. And so I think you can build wider and deeper perspectives by creating experiences where people are uncomfortable. And we traveled and I think I spent, I forget exactly the number now because it's been a couple of years. I think I spent 193 straight days with my kids. There were no babysitters. There were no like go across the street to the neighborhood kids. And it's one of those things people say, oh, is there too much of a good thing? Yes, that was too much of a good thing. I love my kids. I love my kids. But so I think perspective is one. And then the second thing is their verbal skills. And I didn't realize this until we came back, but my wife is a very successful VP of sales. She's way cooler than I am. And they, all my clients know my kids. They all hop on. And I, I remember one of my clients, Isaiah, who you know, Ryan, Yes. At this point in time, I didn't know Isaiah extremely well, but he said to me, how old is your kid? Because Briggs had popped in and I said, he's four. And he said, that's amazing. I think he speaks better than my 10-year-old. And when you're always around people who are having business conversations and speaking at an adult level and Rachel and I very early on made a decision, we were never goo gaga with our kids. We speak to them just like regular adults. And sometimes I have to bring the vocabulary down, but that whole experience, and again, travel, we were just in Anguilla and I was having a conversation with my kids in the ocean about why are only one third of the roads paved in Anguilla and why aren't all the buildings finished, which led to things like capitalism and banking systems and being a volcanic island and how everything has to be shipped here and they don't have the natural resources to grow their own food and materials. And so these are the types of conversations that I have with my 11-year-old and now six-year-old because those are opportunities for them to see the world and to go, huh, okay, I get what's going on here and I see how that might be able to impact the world. That one is a beautiful island. Been there many times. And what year was that? Might've been 2017, 2016. They were just hit by a hurricane yep. and there was only two resorts that were opened and you would talk about major devastation and oh, yeah. issues. It was crazy. You, the ha- Basically people that had money rebuilt. Everybody else was living in shambles and that was sad. And that's a wonderful conversation to have with your kids to show that both sides of the, the economic charts that we live in or the worlds we live in and how that plays out. A hundred percent. And we don't shy away from those conversations. And even down to the banking system in Anguilla, there aren't traditional mortgages. So people build as they have money and as they Mm -hmm. can do it. And that's why you see homes that are not fully finished. And so explaining to our kids, yes, mom and dad took a mortgage on our home so that we could buy it. And we pay that back over a long period of time with interest. And It just leads to really fun conversations by putting them outside the bounds of traditional experiences with school, where you wake up, you get breakfast, you drive to school, you get dropped off, 
teachers are amazing. They give them a great education. You come home, you do a little sports, you brush your teeth, you go to bed and you do it again. When you can break out of that mold, there are many opportunities that just naturally reveal themselves to have amazing conversations with your kids. But then also in that whole process, I know you guys are probably doing this, is being thankful for what we have. So when you go to an island like that, you see the difference between where you live in the United States versus that island and the opportunities that we have. It's probably the thing that scares the heck out of Rachel and I the most is being able to travel and how that can jade our kids. And one of the things that I do every morning, and sometimes my kids get annoyed with me, but we talk <laughs> about what are you grateful for? And so Briggs this morning, he was grateful for creatures and particularly our two dogs, Brig, Banner and Brindley. And Brooklyn was so grateful for her teachers. And so it's just that daily reminder of how the opportunities that we have around us just don't happen by accident. It happens by conscious intention, focus, and chasing the things that you want to go do to make the impact that you want to go make. Amen. That's where it starts. Every morning I wake up and say, I'm grateful I woke up because some people don't wake up. Brian, you I'll share this story with you. My mom was given a week to live the day after Christmas and she lived seven months to a liver transplant and then subsequently lived 16 more years. We call it, she got Willy Wonka's golden ticket to life. <laughs> and no one had more fun than she did through that process. Even though she had lots of medical issues, a heart attack, lung cancer a couple times, 12 inches of her bowel taken out, never surrendered to being sick. Wow. And, and my, my mom used to say, every day is a great day as long as you're on top of the earth. <laughs> it's amazing what you can do when you change that internal perspective and it comes outward. I think that leads us to our next step in, in what you're doing with what that logo is on your shirt. For you guys that are listening, Jerry has a mission that he's on and I'm going to let him explain it, but I've been honored to be able to come into that mission and be able to join his group. And I feel like I'm part of a family, but he does so much for his core group of people that he gives so much more than he receives. And it's so refreshing to see that. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. I just look and say, why was I placed on this earth? And I've had some business success. I've always been fascinated by business and success and I have a servant mindset. My, my goal is always to leave the world a better place than it was when I came and joined it. And I think the goal for my second half of my career is to positively impact 5 million people. And we're a year into that mission. We're, we're positive up into the right, headed in the right, up into the right. Tra the trajectory is good. Even though you keep on asking me, put the ticker behind me, right? And, yeah. and keep on doing the McDonald's thing. I just look and say, I've never met anyone who showed up to work and said, I'd really like to suck at work today. And yes, there are plenty of people that are ineffective in the work that they do. And it's not their fault. It's our fault as senior leaders. And so I really believe that if we can help senior leaders create compelling companies, because compelling companies always outperform. And so working with those senior leaders to get really clear about how we win, make sure that our people are challenged in the work that they're doing, that they're comfortable, that they have the tools, time, and training to be successful, and that you care for your people, right? I don't know about you, but how many people like don't really give a shit about their people that they work with? There's and a lot. Me, there's a lot, right? And so for me, it's all about helping leaders be really conscious and really intentional about how we're showing up so that we can create that fertile environment where people can make 
agile, engaged, and autonomous decisions. Because that's how you make your day as a leader easier. When your people know what's going on, they have the tools, time, and training, it all just falls into place. And that's the mission that I'm on. And we have a great community that we've started to build. We're just getting started. I'm so grateful that you've become a part of it. You've had such vibrancy to it and your perspective and insights and sharing are always so awesome. So thank you for coming and joining on the mission. And I, I just look and say, I've never met anyone just like I've never met a, an employee who said, I want to suck today. I've never met a business owner who said, I want to have a mediocre business. I want to have a place where people show up and hate what they do every single day. And so how do we help them get to a place where they have competent confidence in everything that they're doing so that they can unlock that, that possibility and that potential in everyone around them? I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, Dennis Riley, and he does something similar to you, but he calls it the pillars or the mountains of entrepreneurship or small business ownership. Once you get past that first mountain, he says, okay, I'll get you there, but I'm going to get you past the second and the third. And one of the things that just really resonated with me, what percentage of businesses that he comes into, and these are businesses between a million dollars and $20 million, have a true motto or a calling or a, what, why am I missing the word? Vision, a mission. Vision, mission. Thank you. Yep. When he comes, when he steps into the door, how, what percentage do you think actually have one? It's very small. He said less than 20%. Yeah. And they've gotten to a million dollars, $10 million in 15, 20. I'm like, how the hell did they get there without any type of mission in directing that towards and helping the employees know exactly what you're trying to accomplish day in and day out? How does that happen? Because we're busy building the business and we've never gotten out of that place of just doing the doing every single day. And I think it's making the transition from founder to CEO. I think the founder entrepreneur injects risk into the business and the CEO is the one that takes risk out of it by creating clarity and alignment across the whole organization. And so my guess is many of the people that he's talking to are still in founder entrepreneur mode. And haven't stopped because guess what, Ryan, it's clear to the entrepreneur what they're trying to do. Yeah. If you sat down with them and said, what's the vision of the company? What's the impact that you're trying to go make? It's very clear to them. But what happens is we forget to take it from our brain to our mouth, to the words coming out so that everyone can align to it and act on it. And it comes back to what's our responsibility as a leader. It's that fertile environment for engaged autonomous decisions. And when you can do that and you start to understand, oh, that's my role. My role is not to just do the doing and to help the company forward to 5 million, to 7 million, to 10 million. And what I would tell you is what, I've, what I have personally learned and what I've personally witnessed and seen is companies at about 15 to 25 million, they stop being able to, what I call, use the great man theory to impose the will and move the business forward. Okay. At some point in time, and again, it's in that 15 to 25 million, typically about 50 employees where communication structures, systems and process have to take hold. And you do have to align because I can't just walk down the hall and say, Ryan, we're going to go do this thing. And you go like, all right, we're going to go do this thing. And so, no, I'm managing the people who are managing the people who are doing the doing. And so that means that we have to get better at what it is that we're doing and more clear on what it is that we're doing. And so that'll be a natural transition or... What I find is when people don't align, 
and don't create that alignment, they end up sitting at somewhere around 15 to 25 million. And they wonder like, why is, why are we not growing? Why can't we get past this thing? It's like, well, because you're still operating like a $10 million business and you're at the next stage and you need to change. As I know, we've had discussions in the community and so forth. As I look at businesses going forward, I see a lot of that in the businesses that are between one and 5 million too. These are, they're, I call them old, boring businesses, but that's not a knock on them. They're just traditional service businesses that haven't used a lot of technology or systems in place. And they're like, I've been around for 15 years and I've been making a million dollars for the last 15 years or the last 10 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, I, and my first question is, why haven't you grown? And they look at me like, I've got four heads. And like, what's wrong with a million dollars? And I'm like, because you're missing out on a lot. There's more out there to be had. And I'm trying to get to, how do I, the best way I know how to go about it is just going knee deep and just figuring out what's going on. But the challenge is the people, bringing the people back around and saying there's going to be a mind shift and there's going to be a culture shift. How's that going to affect the business? So I'm going to roll back two okay. steps, two steps. I think it's perfectly okay that if someone wants to own a $5 million business, a million dollar business, and that meets their financial goals and they're happy doing it and they're making that conscious decision to do it, God bless them. And I have a company that I work with, super successful. One of the things that they said to me was, we don't need to be the biggest company. What we want to be is operationally excellent in a stress-free environment where our customers love us. And so that's how we've designed the business. And the Great business mission. is, it's, a, it's an unbelievable mission. Last year, best year ever, most profitable year ever, most cash in the bank. And it aligns with all the objectives that we set from a personal point of view with college funds and vacations and house projects to the stress-free environment of running a company that is operationally excellent. And so I think sometimes we get bought into this more and now, and I would tell you more and now is great if you want to chase more and now, and mm -hmm. if you're okay with, Hey, I have this really healthy $2 million business that throws off half a million dollars in cash to me and my family and pay some expenses. And I'm okay with that because I don't want to sacrifice not making it to my kids' games or not making it home for dinner at the expense of chasing more revenue for more revenue's sake. You get to a certain point where your lifestyle isn't going to change all that much, but your stress level could change a whole lot. And th there is a part of me as a capitalist and a leader and an entrepreneur, like, yeah, I want to go chase that down, but in the right way. And I think you have to understand the cost price equation in that, right? So if the cost outweigh the price that's coming back, you're going to end up going bankrupt and it may not be financially bankrupt. It may be emotionally bankrupt. Yeah. I don't have friends. I don't see my wife, whatever those things are. I don't get to play golf anymore. And so. I think we just have to be careful about the trades that we make because when we start to live our life on other people's terms, not only will they be sorely disappointed, but we are going to be sorely disappointed too. And I just, I always think about things in terminal states. I mean, maybe it's because I held my mom's hand on the side of a hospital bed so many times and just thought about, hey, what's the impact that I want to go make in the world? And I don't know if there's anyone that's going to, lay on their hospital bed and say, you know what? I should have been at the office more. I should have put in more work. 
And that's not my experience. And I, I hate, I'm not necessarily a fan of balance. I'm more of a fan of integration because when you're working on things, you're going to be on out of balance. As long mm -hmm. as there's conscious intention to what it is that you're doing, I think that's even more important. But coming back to your point, I think there's a massive opportunity out there as 13 million baby boomers start to retire with no succession, with no succession plan. You're my quote and kids and kids. Oh, believe me. I've talked to a lot of people about it because, because their kids don't want to take it over. They're off on their own mission. And that's awesome. That's, but you know what I, I learned this week and I was going to share it in the group. I'll share it is I got to meet with a couple other business owners. They're not ready to sell, but they're getting there. But I'm learning that they, I guess the right words is what's the, what would be something similar to being a helicopter parent? And let me describe what I'm trying to say. They basically have controlled these kids' lives and told them what they needed to do from day one to going through school. But now they've gone to a, a full other extreme and they're paying them on the payroll. Not a lot amount, like one was being made, paid $50,000 a year, had a full-time job and got paid $50,000 from this business on top of that to do nothing. So I don't know how to describe that, but are we setting our kids up for failure to not wanting to take the business over because they don't have to work for that 50,000? Yeah, I think one of the greatest ripoffs in life is passing lots of money down to your kids because uh, yes, financial freedom and all of those things. However, I don't know, there's a certain joy of being able to get your teeth bashed in, to figure it out, to find the success yeah. on your terms. And let me raise my hand. People helped me along the way, and I'm so grateful for that. I don't ever believe in there's a self-made man out there or a self-made woman, but geez, if you don't ever have to work, I don't understand what it would mean not to have purpose to wake up every day and to chase something, to pursue something, to create that happiness. I just, that's, I think that's a bad deal. It, it leads into this other piece, and I think we've talked about this also is we have somewhere in the realm of 12 to 15 million, I don't remember the stat off the top of my head, of workforce aged men, 25 to 54, sitting in the basement, playing mm -hmm. video games and not coming back into the workforce. How is that setting this up? That, that could be a whole disaster for us in the future. I totally agree. I think, I think there are certain aspects of life and I don't know how those people are paying their bills or maybe they're staying at home. It's it, oh, Almost sounds like a drug dealer's culture to me where there are a few kingpins that live a big life, but mostly everyone else is broke and living with mom or dad. And yeah. I think the world took a turn, at least in my mind, when ESPN started televising video games as oh, yeah. sports. And I think there is an element of, oh, wow, you can make a lot of money doing this. Sure, if you're the best in the world at it. Right. Yeah. All the rest of you are broken in your basement and living off of mom and dad. And that's that that is that's just mind blowing because I can't even believe that you could sit in the basement, entertain yourself for that long and have no purpose. I would go crazy after five minutes. I, it's just it's not I'm not wired that way. But how do we as humans and let's tie this back around? How do we as humans find that purpose and passion? Maybe some of these people listening, hey, if you guys are out there listening, Jerry's going to give you some information because he's got the knowledge up there. How do we get that passion and that purpose in our lives? I think it's the intersection of two things. One is what are things that you love doing that you would do for free? 
right? So I like that. that. That's the passion piece of it. And then the second piece is the purpose piece. What are problems that really piss you off? Man, this is really frustrating to me. And so I don't know, maybe one of the intersections might be that you, you love science and you love the environment. And one of the problems that you see is recycling is a big issue. So that might be the intersection for you. And so I would tell you, make a list of 25 things that you're super passionate about that you would do for free. No one would have to pay you to show up to do it. And then make a list of 25 problems that like, damn, piss you off and see what, where that intersection is, because I believe that all of us have some type of calling where we miss is we don't take the time to sit down and say, here's the thing that gets me fired up. Here's the thing that I'm supposed to go do. Here's the impact that I'm supposed to go make on the world. And it's my duty to go chase that because again, that's your life on your terms. That's fulfillment. That's you chasing your own happiness, which is think you owe that to yourself. I couldn't imagine being miserable and not chasing those things. Do you think everything can be monetized? And it's just a crazy question that just came to my head is I'm trying to think of things that piss me off that I'm like, okay, I'm pretty motivated by that. First, several things I thought about can be monetized, but what are your thoughts on, do you think most things can be monetized? I think can most things be monetized. That's a really great question. Yes. I think things can be monetized. It's just a matter of to what level you can monetize it. If it's as, if it's as important and painful to enough other people to try and solve or to have you solve it for them, then there's an opportunity to get paid to do it. You just have to find that tribe in that community where people go, ah, it pisses me off too. And yes, I'd be willing to pay you to solve that. And a lot of times it's problems that other people don't see that's, oh shit. Ryan, that's a great idea. I never thought about that. And so therefore it's never been monetized. You said something in there was very key, finding a tribe. Yeah. That is something that I know at times I've not had throughout my life. I find different tribes or there's different people that sit at my table and they leave and then I get new people coming into their table. Mm -hmm. How does that tribe play into our lives and finding that passion and being able to be of service? Think about our community, right? There are many times people show up and, hey, I have this problem. I have this issue. We're better together. We can solve those issues together. Hey, Ryan, I've seen that before. Here's how I tackled that. Here's how I thought about that. Or, hey, it's a text message to be able to say, hey, man, I'm thinking about you. I hope that challenge is going okay that you were facing. And so I have this whole concept of if board of directors are good enough for Fortune 500 companies, why wouldn't they be? important enough for individuals. And so I walk people through an exercise about how to form your own personal board of directors, spiritual, financial, physical, all of those, those key pieces in your life. So I even break it down between cheerleaders and critics. So like, <laughs> I, I know that if I want hard truth, I'm going to call Dave McGonigal. My longest standing friend went from kindergarten through college with him. He is going to shoot me straight. He is never going to sugarcoat something. And so I think the ability to have a tribe creates that accountability, the cheering section, the person who's going to say, Ryan, listen, the business just isn't working. We've got to try something different. Like, oh, shit. All right. I, I'm in that sunk cost <laughs> mentality of trying to push this thing forward because I'm so passionate about it. Yeah. And sometimes you have to get someone to pull the plug and be like, buddy, it ain't happening. 
And so I think that whole notion of who are we bringing around? Who are we surrounding ourselves with? Because they say you're the compilation of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. And I think that's true. I, it's my experience and my goal my whole life, my goal my whole life has been to be the one that's bringing the average down. Put myself around so many amazing people that I'm like, wow, they're doing amazing things. And those people that you surround yourself with are going to raise you up. But the other thing is I've learned with the people I have sitting at my table, the group we're in, our tribe, they also help you through those dark times and those tough times. And it's amazing where you can connect with those, with your tribe and you'd be amazed how you can find similarities with what they went through versus what you're going through. And then it's the ideas and the support. It's just so uplifting and people, it's okay to be, people don't want to open up about their problems. I know that. But at the end of the day, if you have your tribe and you can count on them, those are the people that you want to get that support from open up because it's going to change your life. Because once you start changing from the inside and seeing that positivity and that negativity going away, your life starts changing, world starts changing around you. Great things start happening. It's the power of vulnerability, right? Brene, Brene Brown coined that. And I think it's inherent. I grew up in a home like most American kids, 50% end up in divorce. We had a dysfunctional yeah. home and people loved me when I didn't know how to love myself. And when Rachel and I wrote our wedding vows, one of our wedding vows was there's always room for one more at the table because people welcomed us into their homes and let us sit at the table at the same time when they were eating with their family and they became family to us. And I think if you change your mindset to family is not necessarily biological, it's about love and loving, caring, caring, and it's where one feels at home. And so when you transform your mindset there, the kinship of like my fondness for you, Ryan, I've gotten to know you fairly well over the next yes. last number of months. I desperately want to see you succeed. I desperately want to help wherever I can help with you. And I think the people in our community, it's the same thing. Like, all right, yeah. what's the idea? How do we do this? And you're right. Unless you can be vulnerable to say, man, I'm really struggling with this thing. Yep. Then you're going to fight and slog it out yourself. And I don't know, I've never done anything amazing on my own. It's always been done with other people. And put the barrier down, let people into your life. You build these incredible world-class relationships. Shit just gets better for you. And when you texted me several months back when I was eating crow and getting my ass kicked by raising capital, you were the first one there checking on me, making sure it was mm -hmm. happening. And I really felt like I didn't, I wasn't sitting at the table alone. And it's those moments that changed. Literally, I can't tell you that day, I changed that day, but for some reason, the next several days, I started clicking on some cylinders that you, you started putting in my head. And all of a sudden, I started winding up funding. Now I've got three people at my table that want to do funding. Now there's a fourth, and now there's somebody saying, you know what, I just want to fund your whole damn project. And I'm like, it's oh, amazing. Okay. It's amazing. Yeah. It's right? amazing. But it took me to get to the shithole that I was in to get kicked and say, okay, I need to make a change. And luckily having you and the tribe, I got there. And there's so many other things that can be done, but those are the things I like to pay forward and share with others. And that's why I have you on the podcast. I try to get my voice out there through the podcast to help others. Because if you don't, if you don't put yourself out there and really go after what makes you happy, what are you truly doing? 
you're just a bump. Yeah. And I think even more than that, right? I think about this a lot. Ego is the enemy. Ryan Holiday wrote a great book about that. And it's something that I talk about a lot. Anyone I invite on the journey with us, they're good, nice people. They're trying to make a positive impact on the world. They're interesting enough. I'd want to go to dinner with them. And when you live in a space where financial freedom is the output of doing great work and when we can do it together in service to one another, it changes the dynamic of how you approach it and where your openness is and how easy your shoulders fall. It's mm -hmm. just, you're not on guard. You're not constantly like in panic mode and you have each other to say, Hey, we can do this. Keep plugging them. I see you. I've been thinking about you and Hey, have you considered this idea? That to me is the magic of everything that you want to do in life because I don't know, I, again, I'll come back to terminal states. I think about what I want people to say to my kids and to my wife at my funeral. And I want them to say, but he was a great guy. He was a good, nice guy. He, he poured into me. I'm a better person from knowing him. He took some risks. Some of them worked out. Some of them didn't, but I'm so glad he came into my life. And then that just informs how you act all the way on the way back. And if I just act in alignment with what that thought is of what I want people to say to my kids, then I think I'm going to live a good life. And it aligns your vibration. There's so many things that go about that, but I got to go down one rabbit hole along that question. Why has that been lost? It seems like we're, we're at such a tipping point with that. People are always out to get, you know, what, what's in it for them mm -hmm. instead of saying, why can't I help others? The old adage is you help others. It comes back to you in spades or other forms, whatever. Yeah. People don't believe that. And it's like, I think that's the biggest thing is I'm not competing against anybody else other than myself to be better each day. That's right. I think social media sets up comparisons and I think comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm, again, I'm trying to live, keep up with other people, what I have is never enough. And so. Yeah. That gratitude, that presence exercise to say, I'm right here, I'm right now. And one of the things that I would talk to people about when I'd invite them in, if you ever start asking, how does this decision impact me instead of whether it's good for the business or not, then I have misguided you as the senior most leader. I haven't connected you to the mission that we're on. And you're starting to think about how it impacts you instead of whether it's good for the business. And I just find that when you create alignment across the organization and you have a genuine care and interest in your people, you're going to get them to the places where they want to go because you have an interest in them. I know yep. that Ryan wants to get to this certain place. I'm going to help make sure that you're upskilled and you're going to get those opportunities. We might have to shift lanes a little bit of the department, whatever that might look like. But if you take that keen interest, people are going to feel cared for. They're going to be able to put that guard down and a rising tide should lift all ships. That's very deep and we're going to good places. I love this. We're getting close to end, but we're going to keep going just a little bit more because I think there's more to be had. So we're part of a tribe. We're vulnerable. We're letting the walls down and we're going through that process. How do we evolve and how do we get better at that with our tribe so we can actually start, I call it paying forward. We really need to start being able to interact with that tribe. Once you get that, I call it trust. And then there's love there because everybody within the group and tribe, even though some people tend less than others, I still feel connected because there's always an email or we do something 
where mm -hmm. I feel like everyone's looking out for one another. How do we take that and now expand that past that tribe and start being able to impact others in the same way? I think it always starts with who I, who am I, what do I believe in and what's the impact that I want to go make. And when you get clear on your vision and the impact that you want to go make on the world and your values, which is really your operating system, it's how you feel in all of your interactions. You have the potential to allow all of those other things to sit outside of your brain and to just be noise, radio static. It's not penetrating you. It's when we hear the noise in the society around us that we start being like, oh, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Maybe I should be chasing that. Maybe I should. And it creates cognitive dissonance for you. Instead of just saying, here's who I am. I'm very comfortable. I'm very comfortable about the way that I show up because I love my people. I treat them as whole people. My first guiding value. And you have to do the work to get to know yourself and the impact that you want to go make in the world. Once you have that, then you have a fighting chance to really have authentic relationships, to make your declarations of, hey man, I love you. I love being involved with you. And it's been so fun. Oh, this is the, this is what real quality relationships that are authentic look like. And how can I help you? It may not be today, might be tomorrow, might be the next yeah. day, might be a year from now, whatever it may be. But those authentic connections allow us to level up everything that we're doing, not only in business, but our own personal. It's amazing. And you just have to be open to it. It's yeah. amazing. Once you're open to it, how many things happen? And I'll tell a quick little story that happened to me the last several days. I, we talked about it in the group. I want to go sling paper. Guys, for what I'm talking about is I want to write mortgages for what we're doing. And it's just been one road after another. And out of nowhere, I have a Google number that I carry for Southern Indiana. It's an 812 number that people can call or whatever. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, some guy named Jeffrey from Nexa Mortgage, and we're not, I'm not trying to say Nexa sponsors us or anything like that, calls me and says, hey, Ryan, I see that you own these properties in XYZ. And I'm like, yeah, we sure do. Do you know that we have XYZ paper mortgages for these type of borrows? And I'm like, shut the front door. Yeah. Really? Had no idea that anybody was out there doing this type of paper. And then we started talking over several days and he's like, Ryan, why don't I just help you get your license and Nexa has a program that can support you and they'll even refund you 100% of the fees that you have to pay to get your NELM license and get blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no way. Yeah, it was crazy. It just came out of nowhere. And it was like, okay, sign me up. So we have a call again tomorrow to talk to the regional VP to go through this whole process of what I want to do. And it's like, he goes, oh, by the way, we also have private lenders that will buy some of this paper from you that you originate also. And I'm like, shut the front door. It's amazing. Yeah, it's just another solve to the problem that I've been kicking my, getting my ass kicked for many months. Yep. And all of a sudden it came through because of being open, being vulnerable, sharing what I was at, you checking in, bouncing ideas. It's yep. just all those crazy things come together. Yeah, I think you are the energy that you put into the world. And uh, I don't know, I always make the distinction between Buzz Lightyear and Eeyore. And <laughs> I'd much rather be involved with people who are trying to be Buzz Lightyear in the world. and to infinity and beyond, Ryan, that, that's an amazing story because my favorite thing in life is to see good things happen to good people. And I just, I believe in that wholeheartedly and that didn't happen by accident. No, it didn't. And I'm thankful for you and the tribe and the group and being able to be part of it. It's been an honor. But before we wrap up, what's yeah, the, 
what is the best place everyone get a hold of you? Yeah, I think the easiest place to find me is provenchaos.com. And if you're interested, if you're struggling with a business issue, we host office hours every Thursday from two o'clock to three o'clock Eastern time. You can sign up. It's a free thing that we do. Um, and it's really, again, about how do we solve problems together? How do we be better together? And uh, that's been super fun. I've been doing it since November of 2019. And so I don't know how many weeks that is. I think there's been a couple holiday weeks in there, but some vacations. I have some vacations. That's right. That's, that is true. That is true. God forbid that we're allowed to go on vacation. But uh, I think that's a great place. And then the other place is where I talk to people, CEOs and senior leaders, and that's bestplacestolead.com. And we do that as a live show. And that's been a super fun endeavor too. So I will make sure we put both links in the show notes, but better yet, guys, if you're looking for a tribe, it is the best place to go. Even though Jerry tells dad jokes and then he can go off on a spin and so forth, it's still fun. There's a bunch of people with a bunch of different background and they will help you out to no means. I mean, it, they go to the you know end for you. It's really cool and it's a great conversation, but you it's not you just feel you are part of a tribe and it's a great place to go. I missed several weeks and that was the joke or what we were talking about earlier with Jerry is that I missed several weeks because I was getting my ass kicked and the first person that reached out to me was Jerry. And then a few other people from the tribe reached out and said, dude, you haven't been on, where are you at? That and I think one of the fun things that I love about office hours, I don't know, I think there's been, I'd have to look again, 260 some people that have come through at different times. It's just a fun community. It's come as you are, come as you can. And so yeah. if you have something going on, pop on in. But there's a number of people that show up regularly, just like you do, because yeah. there is the kinship and the fellowship of, hey, Nate, what's going on? What's that thing that happened? G yeah. Give us the scoop. And that to me is the fun part of that. And so if that's something that you guys are looking for, I would invite you to come, come join us. And then I got to, I missed the trip this year to Florida. So hopefully I can get into next year's. But there's just so much there, guys. It's really worth your time. If you're wanting a tribe, you're wanting to grow, you want to give back, this is the place to be. So, Jerry, I thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm honored to have you back on and have this great conversation, but better yet, better human to share yeah, exactly what you're doing. I appreciate the heck out of you. And I love the work that you're doing. And I am cheering you on like crazy. I love the update that you just gave about the slinging paper because. Right here, right? Yeah. Keep it, keep it, keep it right in center because fear and anger don't make good decisions. So we just stay right here in the center and we keep on iterating. The funny thing is when I'm scared the most, it tells me that I'm on the right path. Oh yeah. It tells me I'm, get, I'm getting to that place where I want to be. Like when that gentleman says, oh, I just want to fund your whole project. My stomach started doing somersaults and did not stop for several hours. I'm like, holy crap. Am I on the right path? And my gut says yes. I agree. I, I think about fear more in the scope of writing the story that hasn't happened. Yeah. When I sit there and start to iterate and instead of just asking questions or letting things unfold in their own time, we try and project forward, which creates lots of anxiety for us. And again, fear and anger, they just don't make good decisions in my experience. They, they do not. Sir, thank you for coming on. Honored. Love the conversation. Me too, man. I was great to see you. And thank you so much for the invite. You are more than welcome.